This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. One of the most popular heartburn drugs has been recalled, but that doesn't mean you should necessarily stop taking it. We'll sort out the confusion around Zantac. And still with the medical theme, another cautionary tale, but this time it's fiction from a retired doctor who used to be at the center of Ontario healthcare. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canada's population is booming and aging. New figures show an increase of just over half a million people since July of 2018, the biggest year-over-year increase ever recorded, with one new person every minute. Statistics Canada reports that our population has reached just over 37.5 million. We're getting older, too. The number of centenarians has reached a record 10,000. But most of the population growth is due to immigration. It's a challenging and exciting and unpredictable, adventurous, enjoyable life. Former U.S. President Jimmy Carter turned 95 this week, making him the longest living president in United States history. The 39th president made his mark after the White House as a human rights activist and author. Meantime, Bernie Sanders' bid to become the next U.S. president may be put on hold. The Vermont senator and Democratic presidential candidate had a heart procedure done this week for a blocked artery. The 78-year-old is off the campaign trail, and his aides are trying to determine if he can continue his campaign for the White House. Russians are drinking less alcohol. The World Health Organization says consumption is down by almost 50% and attributes the decline to a push towards more healthy lifestyles. It also noted that Russia was previously considered one of the heaviest drinking countries in the world. Last year, life expectancy in Russia reached an historic peak at 68 years for men and 78 years for women. Here's a cautionary tale for Zoomers traveling abroad. A Mississauga man now owes a U.S. hospital more than $800,000 Canadian after his travel medical insurance claim was denied. Clifford McCauley thought he had proper travel insurance for his trip to Vegas in July, even though he had heart surgery two months prior to his trip and was at home on oxygen. During his vacation, he suffered a heart attack and found out in recovery that his claim was denied. The 68-year-old pensioner can't afford the bill. His insurer, RBC, says Macaulay had a pre-existing medical condition and was classified as not medically stable before travel. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you take Zantac for heartburn? Millions of us do. But the drug, whose generic name is ranitidine, has been recalled 
while authorities investigate whether it contains too much of a cancer-causing impurity. Meantime, the instructions are confusing. Drugstores won't get new stock, but they can sell what they have, and patients should not necessarily stop taking it. I sat down with pharmacist Billy Chung to get some advice. It's interesting because it's it's difficult for me to give you a clear black and white answer on what is going on because uh, in Canada, what Health Canada has done is to say, hey, we're going to ask the companies to just stop distributing this, the ranitidine, and that we need to assess and look into this further. Uh, we need to better understand the situation. The recall is not at the consumer levels. In other words, people who have it at home aren't being told to stop using it and take it in. Uh, and pharmacies aren't being told to stop selling it either. So you'll still see some pharmacies having it on the shelf or in some cases, pharmacies may have it behind the counter, so you have to ask for it and have a discussion around it first, right? But uh, not an easy uh, situation to understand. Basically, they've, they've found that there's some impurities in some ranitidines and not all, and there's over 10 companies that make it uh, out there in terms of prescriptions and over the counter. There's a few companies that make it, so uh, along with private label, right? You've got pharmacies that have their own brand as well. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things is that I think as a consumer and a patient, you need to look at what you're, you're taking and then you need to say, OK, I need to go talk to somebody and see how I should proceed. Tell me about this impurity. It apparently can cause cancer. Yeah, it's uh, called NDMA. There's a long chemical term, which is difficult to pronounce um, related to it, but people refer to it as NDMA. And um, it's it's known, it's a substance that is uh, considered a carcinogen in uh, certain levels, high, higher amounts. Uh, so it's known to cause cancer. That's kind of the, the, the short uh, study on this one. It has only been shown to cause cancer in animal studies, though. Not There's very little data on humans, but it's kind of just extrapolated from there. Um, NDMA is also found, in, it's a known contaminant. So it's already found in uh, water and food, such as meats and dairy products and vegetables. Like it's out there but usually in very small amounts that we don't really worry about. What is a person who takes Zantac to do? Supposed to do, right? So if you're taking it over the counter and it's something that's self, um, self-medicated and it's for heartburn, so fairly something that's simple that you know you take it occasionally or whatnot and, and, and such, if you're able to stop it and tolerate the heartburn and go speak to somebody, that's probably the best move, right? For those people who are prescribed ranitidine, by their doctor for uh, some more um, extensive situations there beyond simply just heartburn. It might be reflux disease, ulcers, and things like that. Then uh, we wouldn't recommend you to stop it. Uh, continue on what, how it was prescribed um, because, again, the quantities of this is very small. The version you take may not even be affected. And then go talk to your doctor or your pharmacist. So don't stop. Go talk to them as soon as you can to see how best to proceed. And what are some alternatives? Because there are other drugs for heartburn. Yeah, Uh, you know, the situation right now is that this isn't a recall situation where people have no options. There's other opportunities out there in terms of other medications that are very similar to ranitidine. There's another medication called famotidine um, that you'll find in your pharmacy that's also over-the-counter that works very similar to the ranitidine and could just as well help you. And uh, as well, there's also what's called proton pump inhibitors. Um, One is available over the counter, and there's a bunch that are available by prescription. Um, So as a person who has a condition where there's an uh, acid affecting your comfort level or condition, 
um, there are alternatives that can re- resolve and you can switch to as well. What about some natural remedies? Yeah, you know what? There's uh, there's a bunch of different ways that um, uh, people may treat heartburn. I'd probably suggest the, the best natural remedy is is trying to find, I think the first thing that to, to deal with with heartburn is to find out what's causing it. If there is a particular food, and unfortunately, if you do like it, you have to decide, are you going to eat lots of that food? Or maybe once in a while, it's a treat, but not as often, but you don't have that uh, that burning feeling uh, that you get as a result. and You don't need the medication to treat as result as often as as as, uh, as normal. Then, you know, look for the cause. Um, the other things to do is to say, hey, do you eat a lot of spicy food? Uh, you know, what do you do after you eat? Do you eat very close to bedtime? You need to adjust those things. There's a lot of things that can trigger heartburn. And what should we watch out for in terms of getting guidance about this? There's a lot of media out there. And even when I, as a pharmacist, and I know doctors out there looking and pharmacists are looking at what's going on, uh, the best place to go is the Health Canada website to see what their releases are saying because they will post new information. Some of it may get complex. And if it does, that's when you you can you know stop into your pharmacist and, and and speak to them. They should be able to help you decipher and better understand it. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there can be a lot of confusion. But uh, the the black and white is well, sort of black and white. Health Canada is trying to do the best in black and white. But the 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 best information is or most updated is found at Health Canada's website. Okay, Billy Chung, thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me. That was pharmacist Billy Chung of PharmaSave Drugs. <laughs> Dr. Bob Bell is a former orthopedic cancer surgeon who rose to head up the University Health Network before becoming the province's Deputy Minister of Health. In retirement, he's written a novel, a thriller about a new type of hip replacement that goes very wrong. He walked, very carefully, into our studios to talk about it a few days after his own hip replacement. You were a doctor a hospital administrator for our biggest hospital, and then a deputy minister of health in Ontario. Have you always wanted to write a novel? <laughs> well, you know, Libby, over the course of a four, more than 40-year career, you encounter lots of stories. Some of them are strange in the fiction right when you see them, and some of them only need slight exaggeration to become kind of fiction worthy. So I've always wanted to write up some of those stories and stepping down from the Ministry of Health gave me the time and the opportunity to do that. And it's been a ton of fun. It's very well written and the structure seems right. How do you get that as a a doctor? Well, uh, to start off with, I must say, you know, the science that's in there is very accessible to readers. The clinical medicine that's there, the surgery, your readers will enjoy. It's not overly uh, complex. It's accessible. But the thing that I had the most help with was editing, of course. And I had some wonderful help with editing. The thing that my wife told me when she first read the book, she said, I love the story, but your women characters aren't very believable. So I went back and wrote it again from that perspective. And she said, still not there. So I found a fabulous editor who's a young woman who helped me work through that. We had lots of arguments about what the characters should be doing. We knew the characters. They were alive to us. And I think the results of that writing and rewriting really made it better from a reader's perspective. It's written from a first-person perspective. There are a number of interesting characters in the book, and I felt the best way to let their voice be heard was to write it from their perspective. So each chapter is written from a different character's perspective, and that's kind of fun. Except that 
we know who the bad guy is right <laughs> off the top. We do. Well, you know, in the first chapter, you meet Andrei Kovalov, who's a brilliant PhD scientist who's developed a biofilm that will go on the surface of a hip replacement that's already the world's best-selling hip replacement and will simply take over the world marketplace. This has been tried in arthritic dogs and is found to be really very, very successful. Investors are going to pay him a substantial sum. The federal regulator has approved this, and he's getting ready for a big payday, except he's holding back. He's holding back the evidence that a few of the dogs that he's put this biolayer in have developed bone cancer as a result of the biolayer. And in order to keep his payday alive and to keep this going to market, he's destroyed that evidence. What type, or uh, if you can be a little specific, what real-life story or almost story inspired you to write this? You're, you're warning us about something. Well, you know... Scientists sometimes exaggerate. Sometimes they will stretch something. I have never known a scientist to lie about something as significant as a cause of cancer in something that they're doing. This is a slight fictional exaggeration, to say the least. But, you know, we have examples. I'm an orthopedic surgeon by background, a bone surgeon, as you know. There are many examples of products that have been approved by the federal regulator that have come onto the market that have actually caused problems for patients. And the idea of using something tried and true rather than the latest greatest to come on the marketplace has some relevance in surgery for sure. There's just been recently a huge issue with certain kinds of medical devices. And we learned throughout this that what's happened with Health Canada a lot is that if the previous generation of something like an implant is approved, then they just kind of approve the next one. And that's what HIP is all about. Thank you, Libby, because what Andre Kovalov is doing is simply applying a biolayer to a previously approved hip replacement prosthesis. What's a biolayer? So a biolayer is a protein layer that goes on the surface of the hip replacing prosthesis and enables the bone to simply attach to it really aggressively. That means that this hip is stronger than the patient's own hip to begin with. Young people can have their hips replaced. People can run. They can mogul ski. This just opens up a whole new world to the hip replacement surgery. Back to real life, are, are we in danger because new devices are approved too quickly? I would say that regulators are now becoming more aware of this risk that you described. That is contingent approval based on something that's already approved in the marketplace. A modification is made. You need to test it thoroughly. In my book, the fact that you don't have to test it thoroughly would expose people to risk. Does that happen in real life? There are examples, not risks as dangerous as having cancer, but there certainly are risks that people have been exposed to. Iron deposition, for example, or uh, total hip heads that have fractured, ceramic heads that have fractured. There are risks that have occurred in the past. Will they occur in the future? I'd say our regulators are more aware of those risks, but certainly... You know, medical implants go into people for years and years and years. Can you expect to understand all the risks? No, you can't. 
What would you like us to take away from the book? <laughs> well, first of all, it's a great read. You know, it's a, it's a suspenseful read. The question of Dr. Patrick Maloney, our hero, he knows his oath is that he must protect patients. And can he do that? If he's going to talk about what he's seen, he risks losing his successful career. Patrick needs to make a decision. Can he actually demonstrate there's a risk to patients or should he simply go along and keep his mouth shut? Well, can he actually uphold his oath? You're going to find it surprising, the outcome, when you get to the end of the book, how this happens. And I think these characters simply come alive for readers is what I've heard from the people who've read it already. Dr. Bob Bell, thanks so much. Thank you, Libby. That was Dr. Bob Bell. His novel, Hip, is available on Amazon. The proceeds will go to support cancer research at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.